0: The ancient Greeks didn't have Christmas, but they did have a festival where bad behaviour, drunkenness and obscene language was actively encouraged. Thrown a cheese board, an argument over a board game, and that's pretty much my experience of every Boxing Day. Join me as I talk about the Hallower on the Ancient History Hound podcast. And thanks for joining. My name's Neil, and if this podcast title feels a bit familiar, then yes. This is an updated version of an episode I recorded back in 2018. Having recently listened back to it, there was enough I could change and update that I thought it was worth just doing that. Of course, there's a strong chance you've not heard this one before, in which case, forget everything I've just said. As ever, you can find me on my website, ancientblogger.com, and I'm Ancient Blogger on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. The podcast is also on Twitter as AtHoundAncient. So come and say hi. I'll be including a set of episode notes for this on AncientBlogger.com with more about Eleusis, a transcript of the episode, and a reading list, as well as a couple of other images. Okay then, on we go. Around 11 miles northwest of Athens lies the famed sanctuary of Demeter at Eleusis. It was a hugely important place and famous for hosting the Eleusinian Mysteries. This was a secret religious initiation which was held each year in the autumn. As you might expect, the main deity involved here was Demeter, alongside her daughter Persephone. And it was here that the Hallower was celebrated, This was a festival held in the Attic month of Poseidon. Yeah, he had a month named after him. But to be clear, this was the Attic calendar, which related to Athens and Attica, the region around it which Athens controlled. There was no universal standard calendar in ancient Greece, and other regions had their own calendars. But we know that the month of Poseidon tracked roughly with December and January. There's even a specific date given for it, the 26th, but it's quite tricky to align calendars exactly. The Attic calendar was synced to the new moon, which changes. So if it was late in the month, then it could be anywhere from late December through to early January on our calendar. And in a way, it's not that important. What is important, though, is that this festival took place in the depth of winter. And this, as you will hear, was why it happened at all. Another key ingredient was the goddess Demeter, as it was a festival in honour of her. As you might know, Demeter was a goddess of agriculture, and this was a crucial element of life. In fact, in many ways, it was life. A town or city could only be as important as the agriculture which supported it, and in the modern world we can easily forget this link. A bad or good harvest was literal life or death. The Hallower was a festival specifically linked to Demeter, as you'll hear, and to a specific incident in her myth. This is an old one. Much of the detail is held in the Homeric Hymn to Demeter, which dates to the 7th or 6th centuries BC. And to understand the Hallower, we need to understand the associated myth of Demeter and the specific incident I mentioned. I'll start with the abduction of Persephone, something you've probably heard about. She was Demeter's daughter, and she was abducted by Hades, and that meant she was taken to the underworld. When Demeter found out, she went into a sort of, well, exile. She travelled to Eleusis and assumed the form of an old woman. It was here she sat by a well and was spotted by some noble women who took her to the palace at Eleusis. Here the goddess, still in disguise, sat on a stool, despondent. However, a woman called Iambi approached her and made some jokes. These worked and Demeter was cheered up, albeit temporarily. Well, that's one version. In a later version, Iambi was replaced by a character called Borbo, and instead of jokes, Borbo just flashed herself at the goddess, which got the same reaction, laughter. Borbo is present elsewhere in Greek culture, and often linked to female genitalia. This feels like an extreme contrast. On one hand, you've got jokes, and on the other hand, you've got, well, indecent exposure. However, it's not that much of a contrast if those jokes were considered indecent, as Diodorus Siculus, a historian of the 1st century BC, noted. The consensus was then that Iambi got the reaction she did from some very risque material. Bad language aside, something else which does track from the incident to the festival was that it was an all-woman affair. This wasn't unusual, the Thesmophoria was a big festival for Demeter and also permitted only women. Where the Hallowah may have been different was that it was open to all women from all backgrounds, and this included hetairai, or prostitutes. All of these women mixed during an all-night feast of partying, drinking, and bad language, and I'll get to that in a moment. Before that, I'll try and build a sequence of events and flesh out what happened. The festival kicked off with a sacrifice overseen by a priestess, not a priest, and this is in fact referenced by a speech in the 4th century BC by an orator and all-round Macedonian nemesis, Demosthenes. He spoke about an individual called Archias who was punished for two things. The first, sacrificing to Demeter on the day of the festival with the wrong kind of offering and the second, being a man who was doing the sacrificing. The likely location for the sacrifice was a building called the Ascara and it's probable that this took place in the middle of the afternoon and I make this assumption based on how long it might take the woman to assemble at the sanctuary. Presumably they'd have travelled from across Attica, but it's likely many would have come from Athens or via it. And this would make sense. Athens was linked to Eleusis via a road called the Sacred Way. This was used mainly for a procession to it during the Eleusinian Mysteries, but it was presumably used at other times just to get there. The Sacred Way measured 22 kilometres or 13 miles and it might take anywhere between three and five hours to get there, depending on how fit or able you were to make that journey. By the time many of the women got to Eleusis, it could be early afternoon. But they then needed to be marshaled and get into place for the sacrifice, which would have involved offerings such as agricultural produce and cakes. It didn't involve animals. Having the sacrifice around this time would also allow the next stage to be thoroughly prepared for, This was the Panicus, the all-night feast, and you wouldn't want everyone waiting around too long. It would be dark soon, so the women needed to get to where this feast was most likely held, a building in the sanctuary called the Telesterion. This was a large hall which was colonnaded, meaning that there were columns inside it, 42 in fact, and they supported the roof. The Telesterion measured approximately 52 by 54 metres, and this building had seen many phases of construction and by the mid-5th century BC had eight rows of steps cut from rock on each side. Perhaps there was additional seating, because one estimate has the telesteron as a venue supporting 3,000 people. That's not saying that this was how many women attended, by the way. There's no real way of knowing that kind of number, but it's worth knowing just to give a cap. And it's here that things started to escalate. Amongst the wine and food, women were encouraged to use rude and coarse language, perhaps tell the odd vulgar joke. All this whilst nibbling on a pastry shaped in the form of male or female genitalia. Yeah, they had those as well. And perhaps this is why the hetari were allowed to mix, the idea being that thematically they aligned well with this. We even have a record of two hetari falling out at the halloa. Well, in a way we do. The account of the dispute comes in the form of a series of letters written by Alcafron. These were presumably fictional letters, perhaps inspired by real instances, but not written by Hatairai. Unfortunately, that would be incredible on so many levels if we had something like that. We know very little about Alcafron, so we can't actually even date them. The letter in question gave an account of a falling out between Euxippe and Thais, the letter apparently written by Thais to a friend. It all started when Euxippe mocked Thais for losing a lover, and then started on her hair and makeup. In the letter, Thais commented to her friend that Euxippe must have been on hard times as presumably she couldn't afford a mirror given the state of her own makeup. By now, you might have worked out the rationale for all this shameful talk, rude jokes, and that kind of a thing namely, the link to that incident with Demeter and the rude jokes. This type of language had a specific name, Appareta, and it wasn't just found at the Hallower. At the Stenia and Thesmophoria festivals both held earlier in the year, women engaged in what has been called Ritual Obscenity, or Appareta. Both these festivals were an observance to Demeter and linked to the sowing or ploughing of the fields. It wasn't all based in Attica, though. In Arcadia, Demeter had a festival which included both men and women, on the third day men left, in fact anything male, even dogs, were made to leave. The women had their own mysteries overnight and when the men returned, the two groups mocked and jeered each other presumably using bad language. At Apidarus, two choruses of women abused each other at a festival for Damia and Auxesia, local variants of Demeter and Persephone. So why the need for Apparetta exactly? Well it's argued that Apparetta had a function of encouraging agricultural fertility. Where Aperetta had cajoled a despondent Demeter into laughter, so too the fields in the depths of winter could be roused into action and this would ensure crops grew during this time. It's important to note that this point in the year was pivotal for agriculture. Crops had been sown and growth was underway. If the crops didn't continue growing properly at this point, the knock-on effect could be a poor harvest in the spring. The idea of rousing the fields into action in deep midwinter could be seen in another important element of the Haloa, fire. The accounts of the sanctuary for the year 329-328 BC recorded that 67 talents' weight of firewood was needed for the festival. One estimate puts this at 5,360 pounds, or 2,431 kilograms of firewood. There's been a bit of speculation about what this was used for, as you might imagine. The most likely, though, is for fires and perhaps a bonfire. How the Hallower got its name has been debated. It can be translated as threshing floor, which is where wheat was separated from the chaff. But this would have been done months earlier. Perhaps the sacred threshing floor was where a large bonfire was built. Alternatively, perhaps this was where dances were held. There are references to the contest at the Hallowar. Presumably, anything in the dark and involving very drunk individuals rules out the more traditional sporting contests. So why not dancing or choruses? It would have been cold and dark, so what better way to keep the feast going throughout the night than a big fire with other fires nearby, and dancing and singing. The light and heat, as well as being practical, could be seen as a further way to invigorate the fields and urge good growth. Though we don't have much information about the Hallower, It seems to link in with other festivals associated with Demeter and women, which relates to agricultural fertility. There was the Thesmophoria, which was celebrated at the time of sowing the fields, as I mentioned earlier. If we think of the two working together, then we have the Hallower at that crucial time, and working to ensure that the crops grew and that the harvest in the spring would be good. It must also have had a really positive effect on those participating. Hangovers aside... It allowed the women there some licence to dance, drink and talk, perhaps even make new friends or learn a new shocking joke or two. And moving to the modern day, if this gives you a few ideas of how to freshen up Boxing Day or just do something completely different, who am I to argue? You can mark it down as cultural. And that brings me to the end of the minisode on the Hallower. I hope you've enjoyed it and if you want to get in touch with me, just come and say hi. And if you want to email me, you can do that as well. I'm ancientblogger at hotmail.com. Until next time, take care and keep safe.